You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, hey, y'all. Good morning. How are you doing today? Say, I'm hot, right? It's hot in here. I'm sorry about that. It's, uh, we are trying to get that fixed, but we, uh, so far to no avail. So sorry that it's hot and uh, sorry that we can't ever seem to get the temperature right in this room. So it's like, it's either too cold or too hot. One of these days, so hang in there with us. But other than that, I hope that you're doing well today. I'm so glad that you've joined us. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box and I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad that you're here visiting. Love to meet you after the service if we get a chance to do that. But you picked a great Sunday to be here. In fact, all of y'all did because we are starting a brand new a series today that we are calling Foolproof. Foolproof. And so this, uh, the series is kind of all on the idea of like, how do, we, how do you foolproof your life? Like, we want to try to help you from, you know, messing up your life. But how do we do that? Well, we're going to be studying for six weeks the book of Proverbs together. And I'm really looking forward to this time because here's the truth, right? Life, life is complicated right now, isn't it? Like, yeah. Do y'all feel that? Like, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out and how, to, how to navigate life in light of, you know, COVID, in light of vaccines, in light of masks and no masks and friendships with uh, relationships with friends and with family members who have different opinions than what we have in regard to all of those things. And in addition, uh, we're trying to figure out what life should look like as we kind of move a little bit more back to normal. Like, what should we give our time to? We're spending a whole year, we've kind of holed up, right? And now we're getting invites, and we're feeling some expectation to be at things. And all of a sudden now it's like, okay, well, what should my time go to? And should I do that? Or should I go to this? Should I say yes to this? And like, it just feels complicated. And then on top of all of that, just non-COVID related stuff, like you just have life, right? Some of you are trying to figure out, like, should we buy that house? Or should we rent? Or should we, if I sell my house in this crazy market, I'd make a lot of money. But then I got to buy a house in this crazy market. What should I? And then should I say yes to that date? Or should I ask him out or her out? And then it's like, well, what am I going to do there? And like, well, we got life. Things are kind of hard to figure out. We need some wisdom, don't we? Do you feel that? Like right now, especially, we're thinking, man, it would be really nice to have a some wisdom. How do we get wisdom? Well, this six weeks, we're going to spend some time pursuing wisdom and try to grow wise together, okay? And so we're going to do that primarily, as I said, by studying the book of Proverbs together. But today we're going to begin by returning to the book of Ephesians. And I know, I know, I know we studied like all fall, all spring in Ephesians. So you're like, didn't we wrap that up last week? Technically, we did, but I'm going to do, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with this because there's a great passage of Ephesians that talks about wisdom and it serves kind of as a bridge from where we have been to where we're going. See, so, so today we're going to be in Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17, and we're going to hop into Proverbs as well. But we're starting in this passage in Ephesians because what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, it's so helpful. It, it highlights the importance of wisdom. But even more than that, he gives us some instruction here on how to aim for wisdom and where to go to find it. 
All right? And so let's, let's look at this together. So if you have a Bible or if you have access to the Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. You also have it up here on the slides. And here's, here's what he, he begins with. He says, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. And this, this word uh, live, it, it can also be translated walk. Like in the Bible, the word walk is often used as metaphor or actually just a word to, to describe how you live. So he's like, be very careful then how you live, how you, how you walk. And then this word careful is a visual term, okay? So it means like look around, pay attention, like look, look what's going on around you, look what's going on behind you, look what's going on in front of you, like pay attention, look, look at it. It's the word that you would use if you were walking through my son's bedroom right now with their Legos all over the floor and be like, hey, be careful. <laughs> Look out. Look where you're stepping, right? It's, it's, that, it's that kind of idea. And so he says, okay, be careful. Be very careful. Look out. And then he adds a little clarification what that looks like. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. And so you see here that he actually connects being unwise with being careless and being wise with being careful. And then he highlights why that's so important. He says, because you need to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So why, why is this important? Well, he says, he uses this idea of opportunity. It's a time word. Speaking of time, he says, because our time is limited, because time is precious, because our time matters. The, the, we got we to gotta walk wisely. This idea of making the most of every opportunity, that whole, that whole phrase really captures the idea of redeem the time. Like, make good use of it. Use it well. Buy it back to be used for good. This is why we need to be careful. This is why we need to be wise, because we have limited time. So make the most of every opportunity. And then another reason why we need to be careful, we need to be wise is because of this last phrase, because the days are evil. You think, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, what he's getting at is this. When he's, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, but what he says to them then applies to us now because here's the reality of things. He says, if, if you <laughs> uh, were to lift up your feet and just go with the current of culture, you would end up someplace that isn't healthy, that isn't good. Like if you lift up your feet right now and just go with the current of culture financially, you're going to end up someplace financially that isn't healthy. Or if you lift up your feet and you just go with the current of culture relationally, you're going to end up a place relationally that isn't healthy. Paul says there's these currents of this day, and they're strong, and they're taking you someplace that you don't want to go, and that God doesn't want you to go. So you can't just go with the flow. You'll end up somewhere you don't want to go. See, that's Dr. Seuss for you. But that, that, that maybe you'll remember that because he says the days are evil. The days are evil. And so you got to be very careful. you got to look out. you got to look behind you, look around you, look ahead of you. Pay attention. Be wise. So, you hear that? And my guess is, we hear that and we think, that makes sense. That sounds smart. We should probably do that. But uh, how? 
how do you do that, Paul? Like, how, how, what does that really look like, being very careful and being wise, all that stuff? How, how do you do that? So let me, let me address that this morning. I want to share something that's been just really practical that has been extremely helpful for me. It's that you have to at least, initially, first step, you have to decide you're going to aim for wisdom. You have to decide you're going to aim for wisdom. See, early on in my life, in high school, my youth pastor, Bobby Pruitt, using stuff that he learned from another pastor, Andy Stanley, who a lot of what I'm sharing today comes from, uh, he taught me all of this stuff back in high school. And way back in high school, uh, he, they taught me the importance of aiming for wisdom, and they gave me a very simple way to do that. They taught me to ask one specific question. The one question that every time that I'm given an opportunity or I'm given an invitation or I have a decision in front of me just to ask this one simple question, and I'm telling you, I'm about to give it to you, and you're going to see it's very simple, but I will tell you this. It has the potential to be life-changing. Like, I can tell you that by asking this question since I was in high school all my life, just Whenever I'm given an invitation, I'm given an opportunity, made a decision in front of me, I ask this question, it has saved me so much money, it has saved me so much time, it has saved me so much relational heartache, and it has saved me so many regrets. You know what the question is? Here it is. What is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for me to do? Now, I know, I know, I know that sounds extremely elementary, right? It's like, well, of course, ask that question. But you know what? Here's the thing. We don't often ask that question, do we? See, we usually ask other questions when we're trying to make a decision. We all have some kind of question, whether we're asking consciously or, or subconsciously. We have some grid that we run our choices through, but usually it's not this. Usually it's something like, like well, you know, what's everyone else doing? Or, well, what, what do I feel like doing? Or, well, is there anything technically wrong with this? Or, what can I get away with? Or, how close to the line can I get? Or, you know, what do I have permission to do? Or, what would be the easy thing to do? Or, what would be the fun thing to do? But, friends, this question is a much better question than all of those questions. And here's why. Because this question brings wisdom into the equation of the, of the decision-making process. This question causes you to aim for wisdom. It brings wisdom into the equation. And <laughs> Paul says, you need to do that. Because you've got to be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise as wise. And so when you're trying to make a decision, you should be factoring in wisdom. Now, um, this idea of being careful and this idea of this question, it, it all comes from this passage. And when I was taught to ask this question way back in high school, the way that I was taught was to ask it in light of that idea of the visual term of being careful, to look around and look behind and to look ahead. And so let me give you actually the full question that I was taught because this is where I think it gets, you'll see that this question can get all the more helpful for you. See, the first way that I was taught to ask this question is this. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do? 
In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing to do? So Paul says, be careful, look out. So that means look back. So in light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do? And y'all, guys, hear this. (laughs) Your past is not my past. And my past is not your past. And so what might be wise for you to do may not be wise for me to do. And so when I'm asking this question, I'm personalizing it. I can't be saying, well, what's everyone else doing? I got to ask, what's the wise thing for me to do based off my past experience? So you think, okay, well, what, well, what happened last time you went out with him? What happened the last time you went out with her? What happened the last time you took out a credit card to go on that vacation? What happened the last time you had a drink or you had a third drink? See, Pat's, based off your past experience, what's the wise thing to do? This is a much better question than, well, what do I feel like doing? Or what can I get away with? Or what is everyone else doing? See, be careful. Look back. Based on your past experience, what is the wise thing? Not for everyone else to do, but for me to do. Okay, the second way to ask this question uh, is really similar. You probably can guess it. It's this. Based off of or in light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? Based on my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for you? So you just got married. Now, in light of just getting married, what's the wise thing for you to do? You just had your first baby. You just had your second baby or your third baby. What's the wise thing for you to do? You just moved. You just got a new place to live. You, you, you just got a new job. In light of these things, see, what you used to do might have been fine back then, but now things have changed. And so now, in light of my current circumstances, I should ask, in light of this, what is the wise thing for me to do. Not everyone else to do. Your circumstances are your circumstances. So based off of this right now, what's the wise thing for me to do? It helps you aim for wisdom. I'll tell you, whenever I was a uh, sophomore in college, I, um, uh, the girl that I had dated for three years broke up with me. And I was heartbroken, devastated, and lonely. Because before I dated her for three years. I also dated a couple other girls before her. So I had basically been in a relationship since, you know, for five years. Always moving from one to the other with this last one for three years. And so I was, being single, I just didn't know what to do with that. I was extremely lonely. And so, of course, what I wanted to do was to hop into a new relationship. Just felt like I needed to do it. But that, that was near the end of my sophomore year of college. I, I didn't start dating through that rest of that that semester, I hit the summer, and I'm thinking, okay, probably junior year, I'll start dating again. And yet, I had a really good friend. Some of y'all know him, Adam Brunson. He, uh, he challenged me that summer, and he just said, hey, Jake, I just wonder, I wonder if it wouldn't be wise for you, you know, in light of the fact that you kind of always have had a girlfriend. <laughs> I wonder if it wouldn't be wise for you to just take some time to really focus on your relationship with Jesus. So... I heard him and said, hey, that sounds really, you know, uh, you know, churchy of you and spiritual of you, but maybe. And then this semester, I went back to school in my junior year at A&M, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, this is a, you know, maybe there's some wisdom to that. But then I met a girl. She piqued my interest a little bit. So then I started really wrestling with it. And I was trying to figure out what to do, and then I came back to this question. 
that based on my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? And when I asked that question, it just became crystal clear. The wise thing for me to do is to actually not date anyone. Because I have always felt like I needed a romantic interest to feel whole. And I need to learn that I don't need that in order to be whole. And I need to grow in my relationship with Jesus. That's what the wise thing for me to do was. So I went through my junior year and I didn't date anybody. Then the uh, week before my senior year started, I was at a leadership retreat with, our, with our co- my college church, and I met Krista Box. Well, she was Krista Rice at that time. And I thought, okay, that's, that's the girl I've been waiting for. And so I asked her out, and she said no. <laughs> and she said no because at that time, Given her current circumstances, it wasn't the wise thing to do. Now, I loved her confidence. She said, okay, well, no, hey, if you're still interested later on, please feel free to ask me again. But the answer right now is no. Again, because of her current circumstances. So I was happy to wait for her because she's awesome. And I did later in the semester ask her out, and she said yes. And now we've been married for 17 years. And friends, I tell you that story to tell you this. This question has served us well our entire relationship, even dating back to before we were in a relationship. Be very careful in how you live. Based off of your past experiences and current circumstances, what is the wise thing for you to do? So one more. It's the third way to ask this question. It's just simple. It's in light of my future. What is the wise thing for me to do? In light of my future, what is the wise thing for me to do? And, and we all know, friends, right, that you can make decisions now that will have huge ramifications on your future, positive or negative. Some questions we make now can rob us of our desired future, right? Like, think about it. Do you want to grow old with your spouse? then what is the wise thing for you to do? That the relationship that you have with your kid, do you want to have that same trusting, strong relationship with them when they're a teenager? Then what's the wise thing for you to do? You want to buy a house one day? Then what is the wise thing for you to do right now financially? I mean, just go down the road, right? What, based off my future, what is the wise thing for me to do. And all of a sudden, you start asking that question, things get a lot clearer, doesn't it? See, let me put it all together for us. Here, here's the question. It says, uh, in, in light of my past uh, experience, my current circumstances, and my future, what is the wise thing for me to do? And come on. Don't you wish that you've been asking that question all your life? Can y'all see that? How do you see the time and money and relational regret that you would be saved if you were just asking and acting on that question? See, because here's the thing. When you ask this question, oftentimes the answer already is clear. 
Sometimes when you ask this question, it just is like what's fuzzy becomes crystal clear. And what was unwise, now you see it for what it is. And you're like, okay, I can't do that, right? And then, so you know not to take out that credit card. You know not to say yes to his offer. You know not to take that next drink. Or you know, I mean, just down the road, you know, you know, you know. And now it's in the frame of wisdom. And you have the choice to either choose to be wise, now that you know what the wise thing to do is, or to choose to be foolish, but at least you're doing yourself the favor of seeing it for what it is, right? So the question is, what's the wise thing for me to do? Guys, you need to aim for wisdom. Be very careful then how you live. How do do I be careful? Aim for wisdom. How do I aim for wisdom? Ask this question. Ask this question every time you're given an invitation, every time you're given an opportunity, every time you need to make a decision, use this. This is such a better question than the questions that we usually use. Ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? But sometimes when you ask this question, the answer isn't crystal clear, right? Sometimes when you ask this question, the answer isn't super evident, like, should I buy the house or that house? Take this job or that job? I mean, I mean, things like that. You can think of them down the line. Many of y'all are facing them right now, and you ask this question. You think, well, I wish I knew. <laughs> what is the wise thing for me? I wish I knew. I wish someone would tell me. I wish I know what the wise thing is for me to do. So when you are in that place, what, what do you do? How do you actually f- discover what the wise thing is for you to do well in verse 17 of Ephesians 5, Paul points us to it. Here's what he says He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, look at what he's contrasting here. He's saying, Don't be foolish, but this, so this is the opposite of being foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is, that he equates wisdom with understanding the Lord's will. For you see, according to the Bible, God made the universe. And there, if there's a guy who made the universe and you disobey him, then it's not just morally wrong. It's stupid. For if you go against God's will and his design, then it's not ultimately going to work out for you. And so wisdom, according to the Bible, assumes that you are following God's moral rules. But, listen to this part, it's also quite possible to be very moral and still be very foolish or very stupid. You know why? Well, it's because wisdom pertains to more than just following God's moral rules. Because wisdom is knowing the right thing to do in the uh, 80% of life situations to which his moral rules don't directly apply. Now, of course, I just made up that percentage. I don't know if it's 80%. I mean, it might be. But it's a lot, right? It's a lot. And so what do you do in those situations? So you think about it. So wisdom also includes living in light of what God says our purpose is. And what he says is most valuable. And what is most important it's living in light of reality it's living in light of eternity which is a part of reality it's not just now here and now that's a part of factors in wisdom it's it's living in light of how he designed life and relationships 
to work. It, it, wisdom comes in knowing all of the Lord's will, not just his rules, but how he's designed all of life to work, living a lot of his reality. But the problem is, we don't often want to understand the Lord's will. Right? See, we want to live the way that we want to live. We want to do what we want to do. And if we're going to look to anybody to get some kind of direction on what we want to do, then our most natural inclination is either look to our friends or to look to culture. And when we see what culture is doing, we say, okay, I'll just do that. And especially if culture and God disagree, then we really want to just go with culture. Let culture determine what we do and when we do it. We don't want to go to God. Say, God, what's, what's your will? I'll just, I'll just do it. Now, the problem with that is what Paul had said earlier in this passage, right? We need wisdom because the days are evil. If we just go along with culture, we're going to end up, we're ending up somewhere we don't want to go. Ultimately, one day you'll recognize and this, this was a bad call. So what do you do with that? If you don't want to go to God for wisdom, there's something in all of us that says, I don't want to know the Lord's will, or I don't want to do the Lord's will, and yet that's what wisdom is, understanding the Lord's will. What, what do you do with that? What will actually cause you, what will cause you, friends, to go to God to get his wisdom, to understand his, the Lord's will. What will cause you to do that? Fear. Fear will. But not the type of fear that most of y'all are thinking right now. See, when you go to the book of Proverbs, we read this. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, famous verse. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or Proverbs verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 10, says it this way. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, these Proverbs tell us that it takes fear in order for us to go to God and begin to gain wisdom. But they're not, and you got to hear this, they are not referring to the type of fear that results from being afraid of something, that, afraid that something bad is going to happen to you or that, something, that someone is going to hurt you. See, this is not that type of fear. This is the type of fear that means awe or wonder or high regard. See, there are two ways to be afraid in a person's presence. As I said, the first way is to be afraid because you think they might hurt you. In other words, you fear them because you don't trust them or you don't trust their heart towards you. But there's another way to feel fear in the presence of someone, and this is fear that is rooted in the fear that comes from being afraid that you might disappoint them or dishonor them. Or grieve them. It's a fear you feel because, hear this, you love them so much. You treasure them so much. You hold them in such high regard. You appreciate them so much that you do not want to disappoint them. 
See, this fear is actually all about not wanting to let someone down that you consider so highly. My junior year in college, um, again, back to the year that I was uh, not dating anybody, trying to be wise, I uh, asked my pastor at my church in College Station uh, if he would disciple me. And it's a large church, and uh, I really respected this guy. I didn't think that he would have any time to meet with me. Uh, but to my surprise, he said, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And he, he said, I'm actually starting a, a discipleship group next week. Uh, it's got two guys in it, and I'd love for you to join. So I was pumped. I was excited to do that. So I show up at his office. Uh, I remember it's Tuesday at 2, 2 p.m. That next week, I walk in, excited to be there. Don't know who the other guys are. Step into the office, and there is Greg Mott and Dr. Rick Rigsby, along with my, my pastor. Now, some of y'all might recognize the name Greg Mott. Most of y'all probably don't, but Greg Mott was a really big deal, especially in my eyes. See, Greg Mott started Breakaway. If y'all are familiar with Breakaway College Station, he started Breakaway. And at that time, Breakaway met at Reed Arena, that's A&M's basketball arena, every Tuesday night. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of college students would come every Tuesday to worship God. Greg was the leader of that. He taught it. He began it. He started it. And so to be in a room with Greg felt like a really big deal. Here's a picture of Greg. But Dr. Rick Rigsby was a much bigger deal to me because Dr. Rigsby was the dean of my degree program at A&M. And I had had Dr. Rigsby a couple different times in class. In fact, I was in his class this semester. He was teaching uh, civil rights oratory, and it was the best class I have ever taken in all of, of college. It was fantastic. But Dr. Rigsby was also the chaplain of the AM football team. He was also a pastor, and he was a motivational speaker, and he traveled all over the place to, speech, but, uh, to speak. And then in addition to that, Dr. Rigsby still to this day had the most commanding presence of anyone I've ever been around. And they were not leading this discipleship group. They were in it. It was my pastor and these guys and then college junior me. And I walk into this room and I see these men and I just think, what in the world am I doing here? And I felt fear. <laughs> I felt fear that day. I felt fear every single day from that, that point on whenever I showed up for that discipleship group. And guess what? I showed up for that discipleship group every week. You know why? Because the fear that I felt caused me to memorize all of the scriptures that we were assigned in that group. And it made me spend hours and hours on the study that we were doing together in that group. Why? Because I didn't want to come ill-prepared, and I would never miss a group. Why? Because I thought they were going to hurt me or be mean to me. No, they could not have been more kind to me. It's because I had such high respect for them that I did not want to waste their time. I did not want to let them down. I did not want to take them for granted. And so I feared them. Friends, that's the fear that we're the book of Proverbs is talking about. And it says that's the beginning of wisdom. So when you fear God like that, when you hold him in such high 
esteem, such high regard. And when you treasure him, then you see how beautiful he is. And then you, you say, okay, I, I do not want to grieve you. I do not want to disappoint you. Why? Because I think you're going to harm me? No, because of your incredible worth. And so tell me what to do. Teach me your will. I want to know what you say. I want to know how you designed the world to work. I want you to know what my purpose is. I want to live it. Because why? Because I fear you. Because I highly regard you. Because I'm in awe of you. Because I revere you. That's the beginning of wisdom. And so that leads us to the last question this morning, which is, well, what in the world would all ever cause us to fear God like that? And the answer to that question might surprise you. But it's found in Psalm 130, verse 4. So in that psalm, the psalmist says this. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And see, the psalmist understands that when he recognizes that the God of the universe who created all things is kind and good towards us, even when we are foolish and sinful and rebellious. Gosh, because you forgive us, because you're gracious towards us, because you're so kind towards us, now I will fear you. Why? Because that's what, guys, when you see that, you see how beautiful, you see how beautiful, how awesome, and how incredible God is. You revere him. When you see what it took for him to forgive us, that God, God the Son, Jesus, would come to earth and suffer in our place, ultimately dying on the cross as payment for our sins so that we, through his death and resurrection, could be reconciled to God, forgiven our sins, adopted into the family of God as a beloved child of God, that he did all of that for us, that God did that for us. When you see what he did in order to forgive us, you will say, oh my goodness, God, I fear you. I esteem you. You're amazing. And then you'll be in a place where you can begin to get wisdom. Friends, life is complicated. It's complicated. Super complicated right now. We need wisdom. Here's my call to you, my challenge, my encouragement. This week, decide to aim for wisdom. To start being very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. How do you aim for wisdom? Just practically a great place to start is to ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do? To make that front and center in your decision-making process. Then in, in light of your past experience, current circumstances, and your future, what is the wise thing for you to do? Begin, friends, this week. Ask that question. In addition, the other thing that I want to challenge you to do is to meditate on the gospel of Jesus Christ. To reflect on who Jesus is and what he has done for you. That, you would, that he would continue to grow beautiful in your eyes. So that you will fear him. And then you will go to him 
to seek to understand what the Lord's will is. For that's how you begin to gain wisdom. Friends, our God, our God is amazing. May who he is and what he has done for us move us to run to him to gain his wisdom. Let's pray. Father God, we need your wisdom. Look, God, we want to become wise. And even more, we want to become like Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. And therefore, we pray that you will help us look to what Jesus has done for us, what he did for us on the cross and through his resurrection. God, open our eyes more fully to see the treasure you are, to marvel at your forgiveness, so we may fear you, and in doing so, we may grow wise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.